Hi, all. We had a little bit of issue with Chris's audio for a uh, little bit of this episode. It only lasts about 40 seconds or so, but wanted to give you a heads up before the episode starts. Also, there are a couple of spoilers for the Trails series, as well as the end of Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So there's going to be timestamps in the descriptions if you want to skip those. Uh, just uh, I'll give you a little heads up chime before uh, either of those hit. Thanks and enjoy the episode. This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons. Patrons like Letty White Rock and Joe Tato Chips. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you could visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. Listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that was designed to betray you. This is season eight, episode <laughs> sixteen, covering the optional bosses and Mictum up through the cathedral in Xenosaga episode three. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. My pronouns are he, him. Oh, and with me today is Sybil Arnett, she, her. Ryan Beatty, they, them. Professional podcaster. Matt is unavailable, having answered Elon Musk's calls for top lawyers and people who, like, really understand the inherent value in crypto. <laughs> Someone tell me what happened last episode. The saga of the Ido slash Yuriev clan came to an end as a tri-brother attack banished Dmitry Yuriev from our universe, consuming Negredo's everything and Albedo's corporeal form in the process. With his twin soul now nestled snugly inside his body, and the ES is powered up by the destruction of the Zohar emulators, Rubido and friends follow the original Zohar and Omega's pilot Abel, who have been captured on the planet Mictum. Meanwhile, what is likely the entire remains of Vector are left stranded in space with dwindling life support, as Wilhelm takes his robot, which was also the Damarung's engine, the Mecha Joshua, and sets off in pursuit of his goals. The first thing that everybody says as they exit Abel's arc is, oh shit, Mictum is shining. Before they can investigate this further, however, the Ormus fleet moves as one to surround the party. Matthews is having none of this and orders Tony to descend to Mictum. Presuming the Zealots won't bomb their own holy land, Tony is really put out by this and is just like, ugh, okay, but like, don't get mad at me if the ship gets fucked up in the process. Can't believe you're making me do this. As though he hasn't lived through like the first two and two thirds uh, of this trilogy and knows that Captain Matthews is going to make him do this shit. But then we see an ES seeing the familiar green ship and the ES descends to follow, and it slices an entire Federation battleship down in the process. 
Heinlein calls up Margulis going, what the hell are you doing? I thought I told you to get the fuck out of here, dweeb. And then Margulis <laughs> gets on his knees and gives this passionate speech about how I thought the whole goal was to claim Zarathustra so we could get back to lost Jerusalem and find the savior's body. How could we risk Gnosis destroying all of this at the finish line? And Heinlein's just like, ugh. And he's just extremely over Margulis's whole fucking deal. And, uh, then he just turns off the voice modulator and just <laughs> Wilhelm just walks out of a space portal and just goes like, seems like you had a great misunderstanding. <laughs> and this is very funny to me. At <laughs> this being the reveal that Wilhelm's voice actor can only do the one voice. So, <laughs> we don't know. Because he's actually three people. Mm -hmm. Like he's Matthews and Tony. He can only do the two voices. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the U.S. Heinlein voice is uncredited, so it might be the same guy. It might be some janitor. We don't know. Japan definitely had two different voice actors for the two men. Mm -hmm. It's just an extremely like, it was me, Austin, moment. Just very, mm -hmm. uh, this, this is very just like, you know, conniving villain reveal, mask off shit. Love it. Oh, it's, it's so, so funny how long we spent wondering what Xenosaga thought about nihilism when Wilhelm just says it right here. Yeah. Oh, so good. Absolute yeah. fools. What follows is Wilhelm systematically destroying everything Margulis has ever believed in. This is legit the fantasy every teenage atheist has of logicking the sheep back to reality with one good debate come alive. <laughs> so... Wilhelm lays out the truth of Ormus, which was founded approximately 6,000 years ago with the death of the man you worship as your lord. Officially, it was to convey his existence to future generations, but the true purpose was to manage the words he passed on. Damn, I can't believe they finally got Lenin. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, legitimately the religious version of the information control bit, which was part of Metal Gear Solid 2, so some shit was going around Japan in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. He then continues and explains that what everybody calls Limageton, or like the words of God, is actually a program that is a failsafe in the universe that was, according to Wilhelm, installed by God that can be used to dissolve the whole universe. Jesus did not know this, or he... They keep saying the Messiah, the Messiah, the Messiah. So it's like we've we're getting closer to the revelation that the whole time it has been, you know, the the real life Judeo Christian God, or specifically like I cannot believe you deprived me the up of the opportunity to claim that you were Christian supremacist with your wording. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but like because because the because there's so much Old Testament shit and yeah. like fake Kabbalah shit in here, yeah, it yeah. really is, you know. I mean, so, well, let's be real. This is a game where we already killed the demiurge, and now we coming for the Trinity. So yeah, yeah, totally. But like the script is still calling Jesus the Messiah, just saying the Messiah, the Messiah, the Messiah instead of Jesus. And so it's like, you know, the Messiah did not know this, but that was to be expected for those were the words of Yeshua and file that name Yeshua away, please, for pretty soon. And then Don't we already Wilhelm, know that's Chaos's name. We do. Yeah. Wilhelm's oh, called him that a few times. Right. Sorry. I think I probably wasn't on one of those episodes. Anyway. Somehow even so, I remember that. 
So, so Wilhelm took this organization called Ormus, which was allegedly designed to keep the true faith going and turned it into his own weapon of faith and tool of control. He's like, we safeguarded the words and the artifacts of God for all of them are beyond human control. <laughs> it already the worked ver- for the Catholics before. Let's do it again. <laughs> Ormus love- is allegedly just the Catholics gone into space. Well, yeah, that's what Wilhelm's whole deal is, all right? Like, it's the same deal. If I am the only person who can tell you the word of God, I effectively control you. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. He's like... (laughs) Protestant intensifies. Well, it's so so weird because he's like, you know, in this speech, he's like, you know, religion is made up to give people a purpose. And I know because I'm the one who made it up. But also, this is a world where God canonically exists. And so these two things don't really gel together that well. It's fine. It's fucking sick. I love it. They do gel together, right? Like God can be real. And then the structure of the religion designed to use the fact that everyone knows God is real makes religion as a means of control more effective to me. Right. I Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I can, I can see that. It's like it, it's like look at look at look at Scientology. It's real, but also very effective <laughs> way to control people. <laughs> okay. Oh you no! You just stepped in my trap card, which means I have to do. I have to deploy the phrase. Scientology is much like the Republican Party. A tool of control that everyone was in on, except now those people are dead and the second generation true believers have come to power. Actually, mm. I reveal my mm. trap card, which is Magic Cylinder. You've now been obliterated. Oh, shit, my <laughs> life points. <laughs> so the very first thing that Margulis says after all of this, and he's just devastated. I Just poor fucking Margulis. Poor Margulis. I feel so bad. I also feel so bad that at the very beginning of this, Wilhelm says, chill out. You are too zealous. Um, <laughs> yes. Too much faith will blind you to the truth. Yeah. Damn, dude. I are, look, enough people have given their lives for ire. Chill out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> So so the first thing that he says is, are you saying that our devout wish to return to lost Jerusalem is all a lie? And Wilhelm says, yes, exactly. <laughs> Margulis cries that everything that he's ever done or ever believed in was meaningless. And Wilhelm says, fucking goat quote of the game. He's just like, it wasn't meaningless as long as you yourself believe it wasn't meaningless. And like, okay, this is the fucking... Mm, okay, all right, 30 got two, air horns, got, suck it, Nietzsche. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, I've got two more lines to get through, and then I've got so many thoughts. So, like, Wilhelm then has his guards surround Margulis and asks, what will you do? You must now make a decision that defines who you are. And we do not see what decision Margulis makes before cutting away. And, okay, so Wilhelm, who is... At this point, after, you know, all of the kind of curtain reveal after curtain reveal after curtain reveal, it's pretty clear that Wilhelm is the big bad of big bads of the Xenosaga trilogy. And he perfectly encapsulates existential nihilism, which is a bummer because I love existential nihilism. I think that, like, you know, if you believe it wasn't meaningless, then it wasn't meaningless is one of the most beautiful things you can think. And it's fucking Wilhelm who says it, and I'm so bummed out by it. Yeah, that. we out here podcasting. We have to believe that. <laughs> yeah. 
So we'll we'll come back to that in a few weeks' time, but he's not as terrible as he seems in this moment. He is just 90% of the way to what we would consider, well, what we ourselves, I'm going to say, would probably consider a very logical move, except my man just turned hard right into the wall like he was Dale Earnhardt Jr. <laughs> uh, yes! Turn left, Wilhelm. No. <laughs> Damn, all the greats, Dale Earnhardt, Hillary, Wilhelm, none of them can just turn left. <laughs> oh, God, I wish she'd turn righter. Back aboard the Elsa, the ship has suffered a crash landing on the surface of Mictum. Nobody is able to sense the Zohar, but they're within distance of some kind of city, which is swarming with Gnosis activity. Junior goes, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, Albedo says we have to come here. And also, he lives inside me now because I'm Sora. <laughs> and he gives the order to Matthews <laughs> to listen to Yuli and save their own skins if things uh, go very badly. The party are going to board their ESs and head to the city on full alert, but instead of that, they do 30 hours of side content. But after that, <laughs> it's important to get back to it, because Ormus and Gnosis are there, and the planet is hostile to them basically in every way. Uh, mm -hmm. Junior makes very clear, Alan, you're coming too for Sheon's sake, and Kaden, your gin's back up. And fucking rest in peace to Cosmos. Not even no dialogue this episode, now also not the pilot of your robot. Mm-hmm. At this point, you're given party control, and then here's where all the bullshit happens. So, the next time you approach a UMN plate, and I think it has to be the one on the Elsa just because of how this cutscene works, but since it's directly next to the save point, you're going to trigger this by accident. We'll trigger a cutscene where Miyuki calls. Hey, so I made you an ultimate weapon, Shion, but I kind of stole company property to do it. So if you get me a replacement to keep inventory counts accurate, I will trade you this over the UMN. This is so funny, be uh, w like, when it triggers, because we know that Miyuki is currently, like, maybe suffocating on mm -hmm. the blacked-out um, yeah, yeah, vector yeah, ship. So... If you have the rough geocrystal from the early game cavern, the next time you walk by the plate, uh, this means you basically have to run over and over in a circle like a fucking idiot for mm -hmm. a minute if you want to trigger all of this. She will call again next time you touch it and tell you to have the bunny robot in the women's quarters polish it up because they didn't have a rough geocrystal in storage. They had a polished geocrystal. Yeah. But even if you haven't done that quest yet, she will send you the Breezingamen necklace. Very good accessory. Gnosis damage, double plus, rare drop, double plus, EP plus 100. Give it to Cosmos for some Gnosis genocide. Never going to wear that. It's quite good. Busy wearing all XP everything. Uh, do that. Popped the blue plate one last time. And voila, one Miyuki special, Shion's ultimate weapon. The, the ultimate weapons are not that much better in this game. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> well, like... It's like another shop tier above the last shop tier, but still. Okay, so is that guess not feeling blown away? Guess which character doesn't get an ultimate weapon from a quest? You might be surprised. I already know which one it is. It's Cosmos. You buy it for like three hundred grand in the yep, store. That's it. That's her final weapon. That. I told her to show it to you. Sorry, my child's an extremely realistic drawing of the fetal pig from Bob's Burgers that my wife just discovered. <laughs> Congrats, your child has turned into a spy family chaplain. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I was like, wow, you got to show your mom this up because I thought it was awesome. <laughs> She's going to earn a Stella star for this. Speaking of Uzuki siblings, at this point, the robot in the men's quarters shower will tell you he's worked out the recipe to forge the ultimate sword. If you have the prayer beads from the Milsha flashback and the VB Crimson sword from the last dungeon, he will forge you the VB Dawnblade, quite nice, and the excellent Nine Stones accessory, which lets the wearer absorb physical damage. Seems pretty mm. fucking good. It mm. is. It's the only one of those you can get without having to pay almost a million credits. Like, let's be real. You make so much fucking money. It's not even funny. Oh, it's true. And we're going to get a gold triple plus accessory this update. But that's right that was, now. All yeah. my shit is just giving me XP and gold and skill points. What is the point of other mm. accessories? Let's get busted. <laughs> I mean, you don't if you take those off and you just decide to actually build a character, you could have people just suck damage down as health ups now. It rocks. Mm. Yeah. You know what does suck? I, the oh, the mechs. I hate the mechs. The mechs suck. They're so bad. Every time you get in them, I hate it. I I have a bit about that because we're about to do one of oh, the yeah. ultimate mech bosses. It's something. Oh, I already did it. It, took, it sucked. It took an hour. It, you know what I think is the worst part about the mech combat system is that in a combat system where you can't revive, that bosses can still crit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Elsa's hangar, you can now open segment address 14, which contains the Iron Maiden necklace, max boost plus two, and EXP and SP plus. Damn. Hot damn. Yep. Down the, here, o- the, the only one I could wear that gives me boost because it still also gives XP. It's Yeah. <laughs> Just s- cycle that one around between people if you don't have anyone maxed out on a tree at this point. Oh, no, it, well, it's XP. So, like, I'm, like, level 70. Oh, it's both. Point. It's XP and SP. <laughs> Let's fucking go. Damn. Oh, only to one character? Yeah. Oh. I'm pretty sure those only affect one character. However, if it's a passive and I've just been, right. I could be doing that wrong. If it's apply to all, I haven't counted. I thought it was just who it was affecting. Yeah, because the people in the, well... Because the max boost only kicks in if that person is in the party, I sort of presumed, but... Well, I would presume it's a passive for... It's a passive, but only if they're in the party, right? Like a max boost. Yeah, I haven't tested. It's possible I've just been operating under an assumption that only made me stronger without knowing. I'm some kind of EXP libertarian. Pull yourself up by your fucking bootstraps, Chaos. (laughs) That's right. Get fucked. I'm sorry that you suck. God, I'm not using any of these accessories and I'm not doing these side quests. I am at levels so much lower than than the rest of you. Yeah, I'm at level 70, buddy. I I hit 99. Admittedly, part of that is because I did finish strikes on both of these optional bosses with AXP accessories on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, hot damn. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to talk about how to solo the last 25% of Voyager's health. It was very bad. (laughs) Also down here, there's a trio of mechanics who survived the Durandal Purge. These guys will reward you when you close out the segment report. Please remember they exist. That's cute. Mm -hmm. Some more cleanup stuff that can happen around the Elsa right now is if you've completed the Seven Moons quest on Milsha, 
Then the robot beside the shot plate will give you the Ring of Eden, which is a uh, it uh, it halves EP cost for just the wearer, and it will also unlock the special shop items, which means that every shop in the game will sell a bunch of endgame accessories as well as consumables that you had no access to before, like ether packs, skill upgrades, every stat upgrade consumable, Seven Sisters, which is the upgraded version of Seven Moons, which is just the same thing without crystallization. A quartet of bracelets that absorb different elements. At this point, it's just like, you know, if you have enough gold and you have enough SP, you can just kind of like do whatever. Buy your way into heaven. Fine. Some of this stuff is available if you didn't do that quest. Oh, yeah. It gives you the final shop tier, but these accessories that I called out and the consumables are secret shop required. Well, some no, some of these accessories are available. But not all of them, right? Like D Anima, not available. Seven Sisters, not available. Skill packs and Ether packs, not available. The Absorb ones are available. No, the Absorb ones are hidden. The Null ones appear. Oh, oh, the Null ones are the ones that are three hundred k. Yeah, the the ones mm-hmm. that cost you a million. The Absorb element; those are the secret shop ones. I mean, you're going to make so much money because you got to farm 99 of an item for Ziggy, which I'm not going to do because Ziggy's not that good. I'm sorry, Ziggy. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the one that even I think is bullshit. Well, like it would be easy. You could just equip a bunch of drop pluses and you can get mult- more than one per battle. But still. Yeah, right. Like definitely Ziggy is like one of the lowest tier characters because in his tank tree he doesn't get a lot of offense and then his attacker tree he does not get enough offense compared to characters who get good offense in both I'll agree mm. everyone does his role better yeah poor Ziggy so one accessory that will definitely make both the optional bosses possible and also the upcoming uh, ES boss rush quicker is D Anima, which is the disc that we got from Omega Metempsychosis that boosts Anima gain. We can now buy that, and so uh, just buy one for everybody. Even without the secret shop, as uh, Sybil said, the final normal tier of gear has now opened, including the aforementioned uh, KWPXX for Cosmos, which is note that the side quest is getting enough money to buy it, basically. The robot near the elevator, who was like really into Ziggy, will mention that she has a plan to give him something nice, but it requires that you collect 99 seraphic canes, which is an item that you can't even get yet, since it's a vendor trash item from enemies in an upcoming dungeon. Head to the bar, and the bartender robot, Adonis, will give you a football-shaped item called the Grief Stone. This is the key to unlocking Chaos's final weapon. By the way, just want to shout out one of the ES equipments you could buy. The um, starts with a G. It's the sniper rifle for the Asher. Extremely <laughs> cool. Did you check it out? I did not. All right. All right. So if it's like Ziggy's arm blade. So like you, you flip your arm up and then the barrel flips up and snaps in. And then it's like a two hit thing where the first hit does 50% of the damage just from how large the bullet is. And the second hit is the explosion. It's very cool. That's very cool. So at this point, here's all your gear upgrades uh, you can get without leaving the ship. But wait, there's a bunch of dumb bullshit you can do inside the UMN. You can go to <laughs> Abel's Ark. 
for Chaos's ultimate weapon, uh, redoing the entire thing when you have the Grief Stone, all of it. You have to visit all the boss rooms and touch a pillar of light in every one. Go to the central core, take another nap in the sunlight, and that turns the Grief Stone into the God Breath and a ring known as the Universe, which does uh, having your EP cost and nullifies enemy counter and enemy recover. Even if you don't want to use Chaos, the accessory is pretty good. Not good enough that I'm going to do this, though. I do want Momo's. For Momo's ultimate weapon and probably the best accessory in the game, you head off to the Durandal. I was here and did not find this dog at all, despite being told that the dog was in here. I did this entire dungeon looking for it. Hmm. Maybe there's a trigger um, I missed somewhere. I'll check. Yeah, I'll look it up on GameFAQs, maybe. Remember at the end of Xenosaga 2, when Junior's reaction to, whoops, shot my brother in the face a lot, was to uh, adopt a dog and name it after him. And then the dog's just gone this entire game. Uh, that dog is trapped inside of UMN hell. You have to go to the Durandal in the UMN, which is still full of corpses, which I guess the dog loves. You follow it to the park, chase it around until you finally pet it and obtain the Heaven's Door. And then once you have this it... Is <laughs> Yo, what's up? This is so fucked up. Yeah. That poor dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. When you get the heaven's door, you go into the women's quarters. Well, it will be converted to the moon bridge, Momo's ultimate weapon. And you're not done with it yet, but we got to do some other bullshit also. So, speaking of that other bullshit, there are two optional bosses in the game. The first you'll want to confront is at the cat testing ground. Remember when Citrine died and there was a key on her cooling corpse? Remember even earlier in the game than that when there was a door in the special weapon development division that was locked? No, this because you couldn't go there. The transporter there didn't work. There were only two transporters in that room at the time. You could have run into this during UMN revisits. But mm. yeah, basically you have to know about this to know where this key goes. Although I think it does give you a hint in its description. No, not even close. There are two. There's the vehicles that you used to drive around and the second room with vehicles go all the way to the far end. Either way, you will unlock a door, which is like five steel plates deep, real central dogma shit. Exactly what I was about to say. And in the back, there is a large robot with a visible face waiting for you above a console. This is Omega Universitas, you know, the thing we fought while escaping Labyrinthos on Milsha. Uh, we didn't mm. mention this at the time, but Universitas greatly resembles Weltall, the gear piloted by the protagonist of Xenogears, Fei Fong Wong. You know, the guy that uh, Abel looks like a tiny version of. Universitas has this familiar secret, though, and after like two turns of combat, because it's actually weaker than it was in the story... You'll wreck this thing and find out what it is. Meet Omega-id. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Also, uh, hate a lot of things about this. Hate that it lets you <laughs> just blow all your anima of the first form. Very unfortunate. Mm. Also, it's like a simulated battle, but despite being a simulated battle, it like gets a real physical attachment somehow. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So, this is... Designed extremely similarly to a Xenogears fight, uh, and it's extremely brutal. It's probably the hardest boss in the game for a variety of balance issues, and it's absolutely the hardest mech fight. 
It has the maximum HP in this game, which is 999,999. It has an all-party attack that does somewhere between 15 to 30,000 per hit or per attack destruction wave. It has a basically guaranteed kill move called Dark Lord, which follows waves of the Berserker. So if you see this, guard and charge immediately because the move does 60 to 70k without the guard defense on it'll also perform an incredibly cheap move called the will of yin and yang where if an es gets to a level two plus anima it runs the risk of stealing a bar of anima from that es to heal itself yeah we all remember what the story was about you don't gotta tell us that This means that you need to go for a level 2 attack at most, unless you have a lot of boost or everyone is equipped with uh, de-anima from the secret shop. Leaving the gauge too high for too long runs a risk of undoing a lot of progress, and this fight is already extremely long. Every ES should have D-charge equipped for healing, period. It's required. At least one ES should have D-sensor equipped, because Omega Id changes weaknesses every turn, like a harder version of a story boss coming up here. There are literally no ice elemental ES special attacks, which makes the ice weakness a giant whiff every time it comes up. As an additional fuck you, Omega It has a higher than average evasion stat and will always punish with either revenge or counter, depending on if you hit or not. The boss battle is just an extremely lengthy slog where the easy path to victory is extraordinarily boring which is equipping all your guys with null counter, null revenge, and then like charge the um, charge and guard plus, because that makes it pretty easy. It just takes a very long time. The whole point here is to not let it get out of control. Don't let your health get low. Don't leave on anima sitting around too long and don't let his health get too high again. And if he takes multiple turns in a row, you're going to get owned. When you complete the battle, you get the Emperor's Bracelet, which is like half fizz damage, half guard damage. It's aight. You get the uh, Decoder 6, which lets um, get you the item that lets anyone do Dark Erde Kaiser in battle, which goes great with the accessory you're about to get, which you can give to the robot under the stairs in the Elsa's Hangar and turn it into the Heaven's Door, which reduced the EP cost of every ability on the wearer to one, which is uh, very good with the Dark Erde Kaiser when you decide you don't want to play the game anymore. Yeah, which is also the second you finish this boss. (laughs) Yeah. I. I hate this fight. I think it's really cool fan service. I wish it was not a giant on tilt discussion of every failing the ES system has by endgame. There. The biggest problem is that bosses can crit, right? If bosses couldn't crit, this fight wouldn't be awful. It sucks Mm. that you're either going to take, if you're unguarded, you're going to take 8,000 from a combo, but actually sometimes it's 16,000 or the uh, AOE attack can crit everybody and still kill you even if you're guarding, if you don't have the half guard accessory, because it'll still do 15,000 through regular guard on the crit. Yep. It's brutal, and I didn't have as long of a fight as Chris, but I still had a 30-minute fight. Well, this is before I looked up and found out that ESs scale with your stats. So you just go into the skill tree, and you buy all of the raw stats in the extra tree, and then you come back, and it's dramatically easier. Yeah, Hmm. I think that might have been the difference in my damage, that 
sped things up a little bit. Yeah. Well, also, it doesn't help that Zebulon is awful. Like, so low damage, so low health, just a very bad mech. Understood. And then Dina can only do beam. Right? Which, yeah, Jin can't is, help you if that's his resistance. Jin, you have no options. You're always going to be locked to a single element for, which sucks. Right? Like, every everything about this is bad. Yeah, it's exactly the fact that you don't really have any way to control or develop elements for this fight. One of them is just a complete screw you for a turn because the ESs don't have a designed... They got shafted. They got shafted and designed. This is clearly where a lot of space was skipped, especially given that you like chug through Anima upgrades in the back half of the game with maybe two fights between them at one point. Yeah, which sucks because they nail so many aspects of this being a game about Mecha in the plot and the vibe. Like it feels so it feels like it gets Mecha anime more than most games that have mechs in them. Yeah, but the combat that you do inside the mechs is the worst that this game ever feels because it feels unfinished. Thinking about the the game's relationship with mech, the weirdest thing about it to me is that the primary mecha theme, which is that your physical body can protect you, but not your feelings, right? Is Mm -hmm. they don't express that with a mech. They express that with Cosmos and Shia, right? Yes, right. That's weird. Just thought of it. Reasonable. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. So, remember Padea Island at the start of the game? Head back there. Yeah, I went there there to blow up a giant dong earlier. It rules. Uh, Head back there. You get a chest in it. (laughs) I'm well aware of what happens when I blow up a dong to get a giant chest, yes. You You blow up the dong and you get the money. So head back there and meet up with the coconut monkey and now accept his challenge. You will walk outside and from under the ocean, the self-aware mechanical monster Erde Kaiser Sigma will arise from a whirlpool. This boss fight is a challenge, but it's more like fan service compared to the id fight. The, the first phase is like Dark Erde Kaiser in the last game, less fail state. He'll throw up three barriers through the battle, use each successive ether summon to shatter them. Somewhere in here, apply safety or best ally to everyone, because it turns out a robot based on the Brave series has a lot of attacks that kill humans in one hit. Quill surprise. After you shatter the third barrier, the battle begins in earnest. Sigma is weak to beam, so Cosmos and Xion are excellent members for this fight, especially if you have the former set up as a tank. As long as you have healers, and healers who can revive specifically, this fight is winnable. It's only got two attacks for most of the battle, and if you want to be cheap, just give everyone the Hydra Heal bracelets to absorb fire. It's all target attack. Kaiser Flame will just become an instant heal for your crew. This is where we got to shout out Momo's um, thing you learn from leveling up. Gold Crown. Extremely good. Mm. I'm trying to look up what it does. It just says it makes all your stats stronger, but I think it's like plus two to every stat for every character in your party all at once for one boost gauge. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that is an excellent It's like applying buff. offensive, defensive, haste, all that shit, all at the same time. Hot damn. It rocks. 
So around the last third of the fight, you're going to realize why Erde Kaiser Sigma has six fucking boost bars as it becomes unloading all it has with the Kaiser Victory Spark attack. If it begins charging this, get everyone to full health and full defensive status because you are about to get rocked. Survive that and you'll be okay for a while. Coconut Mucky will admit awe that you defeated its greatest creation, Erde Kaiser Sigma. Turns out, the mechanical monkey admits that on his deathbed, the Dark Professor transferred his mind into his droid helper, and so this monkey essentially is the consciousness of the Dark Professor. He says, uh, Shion, I cannot hate you enough, or so I thought I would feel. That's the way I'd always thought until now. But strangely, as I watched you fight with Sigma, my hatred faded. A long speech ensues in which he recalls the joy of seeing giant robots fight he felt as a child. Slowly by the end, he realizes that leaving the lab into the salty sea air is causing his slapdash form to corrode and fail him. The Dark Professor tosses you an item, later revealed to be the Decoder 03, or the Erde Kaiser Sigma device, to summon Sigma. And he puts his fist into the sky in a very hot-blooded shonen anime pose as his vitals cease and the body becomes a statue. His final words are bidding the professor farewell, saying, I'm going on ahead. And the last thing he speaks is, oh, you've come for me, coconut. With this complete, you're now out of side content, so it's time to progress the plot. I'm so glad that the professor quests stayed a very silly giant robot anime homage throughout the whole trilogy yeah that's very nice yeah it's so good i'm gonna unload a little bit of detail about that because uh spoilers erde kaiser sigma is our database entry of the week there's so so many references shoved into it it's so funny that the side content is just what happens when you shoot char in the face Uh, I should really try playing Giren's Greed again, the tactical game that lets you do that shit. I would love to shoot Char in the face. (laughs) Those games are basically just advance wars for Gundam, except you can do all sorts of AU shit. Do you want the weirdest fuckboy in Xeon to actually succeed in a campaign and change the course of the war? Sure, do it. Have fun. three reactions when the party arrives to Mictum. As the party departs the ship, the first is, wow, Junior's very unimpressed. The second is, this planet is a grave of atonement for mankind. Okay, thank you, Jin. And Ziggy's <laughs> yeah. just like, just spamming the ellipsis, hitting it real hard. Mm-hmm. He's got some shit going on. He doesn't, he doesn't say anything to anybody else about it, though. But it doesn't matter at all, because... I was just, oh, was so excited because your boys, Richard and Herman, show up and have voices this time. And they call you heretics. Herman doesn't speak. Look, Herman sucks. Richard's where it's at. No, that's 
he they they both speak in the in the uh the fight. Oh, in the fight, yes, but in the cutscene only Richard is speaking. Okay. This is um the same boss fight you had with them in episode 2. You just kill Richard really fast cuz he has less HP and uh and then you win. Yeah. That's really it. There's nothing going on here. Uh Herman cannot really hurt you at all. I will say though that it is fucking great that we finally have like mid-fight mech view screen oh. cutscenes where like the two fighting mechs are talking to each other with their faces on each other's screens. Love essentially. that shit. Yes, Love um, that shit. It's like uh, finally, this is like the 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 main thing from mech shows that I was missing, and it's here, and it's in the boss battles. Love it. Uh, they need better post-fight cutscenes. The one coming up is very funny, and it wasn't meant to be. It's so funny. Yes. Once you kill them, they uh, they definitely die. Their mechs fall over, and then their mech's spinal cord flies out of their mech and flies up into the sky and is collected by Voyager's mech. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Ziggy will confirm, hey, I know that guy, the one we haven't seen since we woke Cosmos up. God, his and, mech is so cool. Yeah, right That's now. That's a cool robot. Right now, it's just flying around looking like a straight out of the 60s UFO. But when we actually fight it, it rules. Well, it doesn't look like mm-hmm. a UFO. It's a dome. And that's what I think is cool about it, because you can see him under there. So it's like a giant. It's like like a hollow night cape is kind of what the vibe yeah. it has going on. Right. Or like a or like a raven folding its arms to protect its young. Fun yeah, fact, yeah. I actually installed Hollow Knight after owning it for years this week because uh, an artist I follow started doing a weird porn comic based on it. And I'm like, I oh, need context Interesting. You'll play the correct game <laughs> for no reason. But when we tell you to play Metal Gear Solid 5, you're like, nah, what if I played Metal Gear Survive instead? I only <laughs> own Survive. That's why. <laughs> Don't play it. I have a copy. <laughs> That doesn't doesn't mean also, you have to play it. Also, my hard drive failed right after that, and I Good. haven't reinstalled it. Look, God is real, and God is punishing you for playing Metal Gear Survive. That's not what Wilhelm <laughs> said. <laughs> Your hard drive of... did not find a meaning in it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, yes, Ziggy says, hey. We need to take that guy out because he cannot in any way be final testament. He's less important than Kevin. Along the also way, he's named after a Star Trek. You can't let that slide. T- no, that would be if we called him V'ger. And if that's the case, that guy does deserve to die. <laughs> Along the way, Ziggy will recognize the police building he worked at as a living being and mention that this planet was his home once upon a time, as well as Voyager's. Reminder... This is legitimately the first time any of this story comes up in actual words in English outside of a database entry. Yeah, for real. If I didn't make this podcast, this would make this would mean nothing to me. As a result, though, I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Let's go. Yeah, it sucks. It's like um, what the whole scene with Kanan must amount to nothing if you don't know about that. Yeah. 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 So this whole second disc has felt like um, an episodic ensemble anime where it's like each 
next little like half chapter is focusing on like trying to complete the story of a different character it's like okay we've got our junior episode okay we've got our momo episode well that's like the end of disc one kind of with her dad's like truth and like this is the ziggy episode but the ziggy episode wouldn't mean shit if yeah like like you said chris if we didn't do this podcast but it's a bummer i feel like it gets short shrift here and his story is so good the other thing is that like mictum in the timeline is weird to me i get it now i get wherever you know i get where everything sits now but the very opening cutscene of xenosaga 3 where we see the mictum stuff maybe it's because of just like the sepia filter over it but it makes the mictum disaster feel small like it happened way more than a hundred years ago yeah yeah also you can't drive your robot through all the salt people which bums me out you just kind of flip <laughs> through. They actually yeah. teleport you around it trying to prevent you from doing that. Yeah, but you can just go back and wow. discover they have no. I tried it with the Asher collision. because the Asher kind of hovers but drags his feet along the ground. Just clip through. Big mm-hmm. bummer. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't desecrate this holy site. Big bummer. <laughs> <laughs> For what it's God. worth, I called that out in a more tasteful fashion because, yeah, you see the salt people in a second and then it teleports you two steps ahead where if you move, it triggers another <laughs> cutscene. ISIS God. guy when they have a force field. What a bummer. <laughs> uh, uh, next to the station is a destroyable object containing the Night Moon accessory. It's a great tool for grinding skill points, being the skill point double plus. I'm disappointed you didn't say you need to. I don't. I don't at this point. I no, have everything. I wanted you to read that verbatim so I could say no, but I want to. Ah, gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> That's fine. I loved it. Uh, suck it. Suck it up. All this. Suck it up. All this free SP. Let's go. Head a little further in and you will find what we know to be Kevin's mother and a lot of other Mictees folks turned to salt. Remarkably Wait, well deserved. Is that Kevin's mother? Do I yeah. know that? Yeah. Is that, that, is that what happened at the beginning? Yeah. Remember, she was... Like one of the people who like was next to his pod as he took off in the opening cutscene when he superman. I guess I forgot. Either I didn't note somehow didn't put together that that was Kevin or forgot. Okay, yes. At the start of the game, Kevin's mother is running through the streets as the Gnosis attack this planet. He gets, she, she gets shoves him. Got yeah, it. she shoves him into a little Kal-El capsule and fires him into space. And the last thing he sees here is his mom turning to salt before his eyes. So. That's why Shion's pendant that he gave her is glowing and why she keeps feeling pain and sadness. It's because it's reacting to Kevin's mom and his, like, circumstances. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's who I tried to kick over. She's the big noticeable one. Got it. Yep. Yeah, the yeah. only one they show in any detail. I didn't feel bad at all. I didn't feel bad at all. But now I feel even less bad. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. But before any... Yeah. That's right. So, uh, before anybody can question, hey, Shion, what the fuck? Another ES arrives and begins strafing the party. Pellegrin mocks us. She says, I never thought we'd meet in this place. I must remember to thank God, Jin Uzuki. The two ex-lovers go all debate club for a bit, as we're told about the people of Zohar and the Ormus Holy Land and, you know, everything that she's kind of like raised to believe and indoctrinated with. Jin says, history shows that those who speak of the word of God have never represented what is right, which is number one, a hell of a take. And number two, again, just like kind of weird in this world. I know that, you know, Wilhelm has created religion that suppresses the the true word of God, but God still exists anyway. Yeah. Wild ass take, Jin. 
Pellegrini responds to his comment about deception with, yes, it was all a deception. Clearly, Margulis has caught her up on the Wilhelm shit. And then uh, she says, says my reason to live is to kill you, actually, so this is cool. Yeah, we we get so we get so many people dying saying like, "Oh, I I understand what my reason to live is and my reason to live is to die." Or, you know, it's like fucking just so much of that shit at at the end of this game. I mean, you know, the end of this game is it, like throwing a bunch of philosophical concepts and every time at, they like, do trying to bounce them off each other. Every time they do, the camera shows that Chaos is like very uncomfortable with this and like Let's yeah. be real. Chaos has been around since the time of literal Christ. Like, mm-hmm. and it's very interesting. He's the only person that hasn't figured it out for himself yet. So pretty excited no, about that. No. I'm sure it will amount to nothing. He he does know. He knows does more he know? than you two do right now. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All I'm going to say is, Wait, please note. Sick no- own on my, my, on my understanding of my reason to be alive. Thank you. Yeah, no, sorry. But also, yeah, keep in mind, he's getting uncomfortable at Kanan's problems, and every mm-hmm. time we go into an ES battle with another ES. Mm-hmm. Hold on to that for next week. So, Pellegrini says, Jin, remember that you are free. You can freely accept or reject anything you please, but I'm different from you. I can never join you. This was fated from the beginning. She then swears to end it with her own hands, and the next boss battle begins. I did this boss battle twice because I died to a random guy outside of the cathedral. It was very unfortunate. Oh, rip. I dropped my controller and then got back attacked by a pack that turned out to have eight guys in it. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, so, I'm just gonna... Since we're mentioning that, the cathedral that we are ending this episode in has a locked front door. You have to go in the side where there are two pretty potent ES enemies. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. After the boss fight, if you know to turn on the power in the building, the front door will open and you can go back out to the save point. If you are me, and I did this this time, and I did this when I originally played this game. You go to the door, it goes, it's locked, and you walk out and you run from every enemy because you have two dead mechs and you're like, oh my god, get to the save point, get to the save point, get to the save point. Oh god. The second time I did this fight was the worst because, like, she healed, like, six times. It was so Mm. fucking annoying. She heals for 72,000 in case that didn't happen to you. I did not know she did that. Yeah. It took 30. I I went from beating Pellegrini at 6 a.m. to, oh, I just finished fighting Voyager at 945. Fuck, bro. Hot damn. To tell you how long some of these fights can just drag out depending on boss behavior. Yeah, I didn't know she had a heal. Yeah, it's 72,000. It is an animal level three just negated. Oh, got it. The first round will be... Jin trying to talk Pellegrini down and Pellegrini's like, no, actually, like all the ES bosses, the Issachar has an anima awakening now and her special attack is the uh, Malak laser, which does a fuckload of damage, uh, especially when combined with her buff offensive. This is nullified because this is a laser type attack, so you can just definitely cut that in half. No problem. Don't worry about it. Don't even need to guard. In the back half of the battle, the awakening is still part of her cycle. All of her attacks power up. And she casts Hysteric Anima, which means that she um, 
what happens is if you hit her with, you're like, oh, I'm not not, not worried about her getting like more more anima gauge when I do an anima attack. It's not that she gets more anima gauge; it's that she will immediately, without warning, do an anima attack as like a boost response to your turn. So don't do that. Also, she has a buff called Magic Sword, which when she hits a guy while it's active, just sucks out all of their anima gauge. Okay, you you ran into a lot of attacks I have not seen, buddy. In which- I got Omega fucked in this fight. This fight took a long time. Uh, <laughs> like, that one's not even mentioned in the guide I double-check my notes against. Damn. Yeah, man. no, it's bad. <laughs> Just, it removes your ability to, to do all your damage while also she can heal more than your level 3 does. Fuck. Jeez. It's bad. It takes a long time. So, as a result, smoke them if you got them. When you kill her, you get the only 10 slot generator in the game, uh, which is not very good because there's less than an hour until the last ES boss. And after the battle, we immediately cut to a cutscene of her mech exploding from the battle results screen. <laughs> just <laughs> bing, bing, leveled up, getting skills, and then Pelligree is just exploding. It's very funny the way that there's no mm-hmm. like her mech starts to explode. It's just like, meanwhile, Jin urges her to bail out. And she's like, nah, don't worry about it. Our paths are different. And it's a shame they never crossed sick burn on their relationship. He, <laughs> he then tries to strike her pride saying she has to live so she can return and defeat him. And she's like, nah, I'm tired fam. And <laughs> as her ES crashes towards the planet's surface, he begins running towards it. And she stops him because well, uh, also, What's he what's he going to do? Catch her? Yeah. Yeah, come on. Right. So God, I have problems with Pelagri's arc and what it represents, but I think I really like it overall and like her overall with the news that Margulis gave her, she kind of got went full blackpilled. She's mm-hmm. kind of like an illustration of like when hyper-religious people become really jaded as they become disillusioned with their dogma, but, like, just get really nihilistically hateful at that loss of faith. You could call it terminal dogma. (laughs) You could call it terminal dogma. And the part that I take issue with, but also recognize what it's doing, is, like, this is extremely Tomino of like a woman dying violently to like teach a man something essentially, you know, as she's like, remember you are free before the battle. And then she's like, you know, you can be whatever you want. Unlike me. It's just like, um, you know, imagine telling Jin that Jin is the guy wearing yeah. a kimono in the year 9,000 <laughs> and using a samurai sword. <laughs> Jin is the only yeah. person in the universe who is fully aware of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. But but like it just you know, it I on some level I kind of appreciate it in in a nostalgic sort of way, but it is it is very dumb <laughs> that it happens this way. Yeah. Okay, I've got a lot of thoughts about this. I'm going to try and Do be it. brief so I don't hold us up, but first off, I don't know if any character gets as fucked by the abridging of this game as Pelligree. Because she shows up twice. The first Citrine one of those... Citrine does. Citrine got a lot more fleshed out in 
Xenosaga 1 plus 2 because they realized they had underused her. Oh, I see. Pelligree doesn't have that. Pelligree shows up twice in this game. The first of those is hugging Jin's clothes and going, ah, you son of a bitch, I found a better man. And then it's, <laughs> I'm so fucking tired, dude. And that's it. Mm-hmm. We get nothing with her in between. She's in one cutscene at the start of the game going, Margulis, you fool, you'll destroy us all. Nothing. No on camera, no following the party, no running into us, no inner thoughts. Herman and Richard have more on-camera time to react to us and more conversation overall than Pellegrini gets. I, there must have been something going on in the Milsha flashback and early documents that had Jin, younger Jin, and Pellegrini because he shows up in one cutscene and does nothing. I want to know where this would have gone. I want to know what her arc would have been because she's such an interesting foil to Margulis, but they both Mm -hmm. break in different ways. And you're right. It's very Tamino. Second. Um, Oh yeah. First. Yeah. Sorry. Please, please continue. No, mine is, this is a very different turn. Go for it. So I absolutely agree with you. And despite that, I think that the two brief, you know, the two brief Pellery moments that we do get in this game are, rich it's like there's there's a lot there and i'm i'm happy i'm grateful if we if we couldn't get you know the full pelagri arc because of the truncation i'm glad that we got what we did get i am continually more and more impressed that my memory is correct not impressed with my memory more impressed with the fact that they are successfully landing the plane while the plane is exploding, right? Like we're running, (laughs) we're running out of time and everything. And we're still basically managing to close off everything successfully without it feeling too bad. Right? Mm -hmm. Like this, this is shorter and less developed than you would want to be, but still very good. Yeah. To steal your metaphor, this is absolutely a JoJo plane scene, and all of our characters are going to get out safely, but everything is on fucking fire. They're do- they're doing <laughs> a reverse Halo 2. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that means now. <laughs> the second thing is, and this, I'm just going to say, uh, maybe cut ahead a minute or two. Matt, if you want to timestamp this, I leave that up to you. I'll try to be brief. I have commented many times that the JRPG Trails of Cold Steel feels a lot like refining many of the ideas and systems in this game to a mirror sheen. And spoilers for that series, mechs show up at some point and you start getting actual mech combat segments and it's very Xenogears. I wish I I didn't know that because I'm definitely going to play all these one day. I... You will forget that because, again, this is a four game series and I didn't tell you shit about it, but I feel too seen when you said you're going to forget about that. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) There is a character who is a female rival who you fight in a mech duel who does this exact thing, this very Tamino move, except your hot headed swordsman character decides, no, fuck that. No more deaths today. And he uses one of his attacks to fucking slice through the robot and save the pilot as the thing explodes. It is the good world version Mm. of this scene. And that is also excellently done because then she has to grapple with 
all of the things she has done, all her war crimes, all her terrible acts. How do you atone for that when you have been forced to live? Which is a different, better arc. But it also rules. Has anyone ever lit a cigarette off of their exploding rival's mech? (laughs) Definitely somewhere in anime. I swear I have seen... uh, It might be Armitage III, I want to say, has a bit of that. Unrelated. I looked. I don't know why. I don't remember why I looked up Om Shimrikyo, but on my screen is a YouTube video named Om Shimrikyo Anime. Oh, that existed. <laughs> they also had a PC ninety eight game. <laughs> Dude, they they were very otaku centric, and they knew how to lure people in, and they aimed for that. They were basically proto GamerGate. Wait, eleven hey. hours ago, we have removed them from the U.S. terrorist list today that's i i'm extremely shocked that Valis just got a switch collection uh it's like that such a such a weird combination of like mediocre exploratory side scroller and horny anime game well you are aware of where that series ended up before the license recently came back into original hands right oh Oh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I know that it went full H game for a while. That's not in the collection. No. Okay. Okay. That's yeah, a relief. Anyhow, that's that's my thoughts on this whole Pelligree scene. It's just there's a lot of potential here, but I do give them credit because some of the lines like everything Jin is doing to try and spur her on and her just absolute nihilistic exhaustion at everything Mm -hmm. is well conveyed i kept this is a really unfair comparison but like i kept comparing her to viola from zone of the enders one Mm. who is just like a dog shit representation of this kind of vengeful woman mecha pilot who uh lost her purpose and dies sadly but like i think maybe that's where some of my goodwill came from is that I kept thinking of Viola and being like, God, that was so bad. I hated that so much. This is so much better than that. Nice. I'm going to find out how good Zone of the Enders 2 still is. I'm going to play that later. It is. Yeah. Especially if you play with the VR one, although that could get very nauseating. I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to. Buddy, I get motion sick on the thing kids sit on and then I don't spin them around. (laughs) (laughs) So, once again, Voyager swoops in and steals the Issachar's vessel of Anima. But this triggers something in Ziggy, and he says he might just know where the Zohar is. Junior's first response to this is not, Oh, wow, that's great, but why the hell did you not speak up sooner? Because Junior alternates between a dick and a proud son to Ziggy. Uh, He says he's pretty sure he tried to seal it away in his subconscious because that place is something he sees in his nightmares, a research facility. He refers to his memories as fragmented, which means something very different when you're Ziggy. The screenshot of him saying even cyborgs get nightmares as he's like looking down all sadly could get like reposted onto so many goth e-girl Instagram stories if the screenshot was shared by the right person. So you've given me a goal for the week. Sure. <laughs> it, it He's mentioning a research facility studying the Zohar in the past. Again, if you have Pied Piper details, you know this is what led to his death in the final act of that game. 
He will then spit out our destinations for the rest of the game as the cutscene ends. Beneath Ormus's Archon Cathedral, it lies there, the isolation research facility. A screen away is said cathedral, which Kanan knows from his databanks was an Ormus church where they worshipped the Zohar. Ziggy says this was a cover, with the facility of study being deep underneath the building. We have to enter through the side door, but before you charge ahead, loop around past some rubble to an alternate exit with the Goldfall Necklace. This is the gold triple plus. If you want to do any debaucherous grinding with the secret shop items, this is the accessory for you. Yeah, baby. <laughs> so, upon approaching the podium inside the cathedral, Voyager will reveal himself without his ES at first and begin speechifying. At first, it's just shit-talking Jan Sauer, mentioning this church is where he killed Sauer's family and how that pain locked him in place for a hundred years. Just, you know, standard villain shit. But then he lets slip that Jan should have become a testament alongside him and everyone's shocked. And Voyager's like, oh yes, he and I were both candidates. And also, so are all of you. You're all new types. You're a new type and you're a new type <laughs> and you're a new type. That's what this job was, you see. He slowly reveals that he's talking about Kanan, aka Loctis, the special model observational reality and who is part of Jan Sauer's special ops team, which you don't know shit about unless you played Pied Piper or poured over uh, the entire database and everything that's related to uh, Ziki in the database. I'm so glad I stopped um, trying to read that because you get another file full of like 40 of them today. Yeah. Can't, yeah. I'm sorry. It's, so, it's too much. I it's too big. It's too much. I read all of the ones in Mass Effect and Xenosaga 3 has too many for me. Okay, fun mm -hmm. fact. I looked up where the final database entry was if you collected everything ASAP, because there's an actual reward for it. And I forgot, it. literally, you have to get directly outside of the final boss room and then leave the whole dungeon and go back to the Elsa to talk to an NPC for that reward, which is just an accessory. Wow. Bullshit. That's bullshit. Absolutely is. Project Kanan, as we have called out in the uh, podcast a time or two, is the code that looks for testament candidates. Also, just the like the word lactus, if bad. this is the first time that you're hearing all this shit, it's so weird for the name lactus to just like be familiar to both Ziggy and Kanan and also Voyager. It's what the fuck is this? And it's I don't everyone know, knows it's, it's a very powerful milk. probiotic. Look. <laughs> Everyone in this series who is not an Uzuki has a dead name. Everyone. Jesus, yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> in anyway. some cases, the word, the dead part of that is literal when you're Momo. Fuck. Or Ziggy, technically. Well, yeah, or Ziggy. Junior gets pissed about all of this, even though Voyager is, true, is going like, reused. you're being... <laughs> Wait, what? I said it was recycled, not reused, so I guess that's true. <laughs> God, good. Um, Junior gets pissed about all this, even though Voyager is going, hey, you're being kind of a dick. It's just his programming. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's so weird because Junior's like, you're betraying us? How could you betray us? He has a and robot girlfriend. Of course, this is the only thing he's good about. Yeah. Yeah. Um... 
Ziggy starts standing up uh, for Lactus, his guy, though. And this is this is where Voyager goes total tsundere on Ziggy. And he's like, <laughs> I became a testament to escape the fear of death and to obtain eternal pleasure. It had nothing to do with you, Jan Sauer. The reason I concern myself with you is simple. I just want to enjoy my eternal life along with you. And then an FMV begins. 100 years ago, you denied me, and you took your own life, closing the curtain. Now we can have the encore together, and this time I can take your life myself, just like I did your son. Colossal piece of shit. Love it. Good, great villain. Love it. Yeah. Battle starts off extremely slow with ES Dan, which is a horrible name. Do better, ye oldie yeah. Jewish people. He does a few attacks. Very boring. It does break out a move called Phantom Armor, which starts the um, elemental status changing every turn, which everybody loves. You could equip Desensor or you could not, since there's basically nothing you could do about it anyway with most of the mechs. When you need to worry and take it seriously is when the Anima Awakening kicks on. You need to heal up and defend because Disruptor is pretty potent also extremely cool looking all of his like little cape bits like turn upward and just all start shooting a bunch of missiles each very cool so you mentioned how cool this robot looks describe it please it's like a it's like a cool dome robot what do you want all the domes are cool robot tentacles that shoot missiles it's sick this thing goes from being a dome to basically a spider robot with about 12 legs Mm. he's like that's why I call it like a hollow knight cape, right? Like this is like the grim yeah. troop guy is what he has going on. Well, I don't have that context, yeah. so. Should, just a big old, big old bug underneath. Yeah, he's so a big good. old bug, but also the cape is about does a bunch of like spear shit. Yeah, uh, it's great. OK, gotcha. Again, I only have a very warped window into that game right now until I start playing, so. Uh-huh. Man, it must be so hard to draw a porn of the Mantis Lords jacking off. I don't know who those are yet, so. I could link it to you, I guess, if you want context. I'm okay. I you can't figured. link it to me, you don't know who they are! No, I meant the actual thing I was referring to. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. At this point, it, you're just basically just hitting the guy in the face, healing when the thing comes up. And then the last third of the fight is uh, very bad because this is when ES Dan uses great weapon, upgrading all of its attacks to basically do 50% to double damage and can boost chain them now. And this is when all your robots, but the worst one die and you have to solo the last 25% with Zebulon. Oof. <laughs> Finally, when you get Voyager to under one tenth health, he'll just um, do an anima awakening in two turns as a final gambit, like zero warning. You have to damage race him down because a boosted disruptor could be a nasty way to end the battle. 
God, I so I wiped twice on this fight. It felt like a war of attrition because it felt like I had to charge with like two characters and only attack with one character each turn or else ES, I would be oh, the design of the ES makes it so nothing. It can't be anything but that if it's a hard fight. Ugh. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And that's the that's the problem is that there is only one way to design any kind of combat difficulty in the ES battle system. And it just ended up feeling like a slog because I just I have you have to play so conservatively because two bad crits and you're fucked unrelated why the fuck can momo learn heat never gonna use that come on bro (laughs) come on here's the thing with the stat up items you can turn anyone in this game into the stupidest possible build you like it sure with enough money sure but that's what ex skills are for this is in the main attacker tree who's doing that Probably anyone who uses Absorb X. I guess. That's weird. Can she hit herself? Can you hit yourself with a spell? I don't know, but I mostly meant like if you're trying to lure enemies to hit her when you know they have a special attack. Sure, I'm just wondering if you can hit yourself with it, because then Momo could theoretically tank an infinite amount of damage, right? I don't think Mm -hmm. so. Anyway, um... I completely lost. Oh, yeah. We were talking about how the ES battles suck ass. Yeah. Do you want a minor bit of context for part of why this battle is so bad? Sure. Mm -hmm. This is the second to last ES boss in the entire series. Great. Love it. It's pretty easy to guess who our final one is. That's not true. I fought Metal Face. There are more of them in the series. You can't say that. (laughs) That's a meta series, Chris. Actually, it's actually, all the same. It's all the talking, same series, okay? In the Xeno Saga te- trilogy, better. In the Xeno Saga trilogy, sure. It's all the same series when Xenoblade Chronicles Two credits end with Xeno Gears Chapter Six. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking baller thing to do in your video game. Well, when they bring that oh. out on a platform that I actually want to do a JRPG on, I'll play through those. Don't play through those. They're bad. Yeah, that's that's my way of saying I'm not going to do that. The one that everyone <laughs> thought was good, turns out it was just okay. Yep. Every time I revisit Xenoblade Chronicles 1, it is less good to me. You can't yeah, be disappointed same. if you've never visited it. That's right. As the battle ends, the ES Dan collapses and its vessel of Anima flies skyward with no robot to catch it. Voyager, however, uh, is back. Yeah, just kind of like flies into a portal. It just it just flashes out. It's not even a portal. Uh, Voyager, yeah, it's, a, it, it's like the U of Ed warp effect, right? Yeah. Voyager, however, is back on the podium, unfazed. Ziggy then grabs the controls of the Zebulon, declares, It's over, Eric! And before waiting for a response, unloads all weaponry. His, but you can't... It's not cool when his name is Eric. <laughs> yeah i no. want it to be cool but that's very silly <laughs> all of this is very silly because this is literally what he did at the end of episode two except he doesn't get teleport punked the same way because he launches out he fires missiles at the guy voyager teleports and ziggy gets wrecked it's Austin just walker voice actually actually jo- joe is a very cool name when you're in a sci-fi setting and everyone else has wild ass names <laughs> I mean, as someone who loved Megalobox, it's true. 
the most memorable horrendous character in zeta gundam's name is jared (laughs) (laughs) i will not say anything because saying someone is the most memorable horrendous character in zeta gundam is a hell of a statement yeah i know i know i know but it's uh, this is my i i love to hate jared messa more than even fucking paptimus also does that count all the characters who got retconned in by narrative absolutely not are you (laughs) kidding me no ah so before voyager can really do any damage to ziggy Kanan runs in to stop the fight and offers him a deal. To the party's horror, Kanan declares that deep down, Voyager knows he's still just as vulnerable to death as before, because if he dies, the power animating Voyager will fail and he'll be mortal. But my subconscious domain, Project Kanan, connects and reports to a specific location. You know where that is. At this point, Voyager realizes that he could go directly to Wilhelm's Compass of Order, which is a that's a fucking gross ass proper noun if I ever heard one, uh-huh. and take it for himself. Intrigued, he asks what Kanan wants in exchange. Kanan says, "Make me one of you. I can't stay with these people. My name's Sullied, a traitor forever. I was created to be a traitor. I can't be that." Okay. Voyager accepts. And like even mid cut scene, when I'm the most invested, I'm like, this is an awful motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what well, I mean, it's I it felt like a trick the whole time. I yeah, was that's like, what I'm saying. Lying. Like it. Do- OK, OK. Does yeah. it the game's like, oh, actually, he was good. And I'm like, but I didn't think he was bad. That's a horrible excuse. The only person totally. who gets fooled is Junior, which I love. That's so yeah. good. Junior's so fucking yeah. stupid. Kaden, fuck yeah. you. I- <laughs> Uh, Voyager accepts the deal, finding it totally fascinating. He says, you really are a specially designed Realian. He holds a hand up to Kanan, reaching through him to those coordinates inside the UMN, and grasping the compass begins to burn him at the atomic level. His hand starts to turn to ash, and like particles start floating off of him, essentially. Voyager tries drawing back, but in reality, Kanan has grabbed him and is holding him to the the metaphorical fire. Ziki says that he can let go and survive, but Kanan disagrees. He says, uh, Captain, I didn't want to exist just to watch you die, and I won't exist just to betray you. I'm choosing my own path and protecting the ones that I love. Junior and Ziggy both urge him to stop because uh, this will wipe him out of existence entirely, but he refuses to back down. His final words are, Rubido, I wish you success on your mission, as both the Testament and the Realian blink out of real space. While both men walk back to their ESs, Ziggy realizes that Kanan chose the same ending that Jan Sauer did, which was basically, fuck you, I die on my terms. Hell yeah. It rules. Mm -hmm. It's great. And now to bring it down, I want to talk about the amazing shot of where Kanan's there with no legs and Voyager's just kind of floating a foot and a half (laughs) away from him up in diagonal. And Kanan is holding (laughs) nothing to his forehead making the same kind of pu- pulling towards himself, making the basically the same motion that children make to imitate getting a blowjob. Extremely funny <laughs> because he's holding on to nothing. He doesn't even have any legs. It's very goofy looking. Yeah, they start zooming in on him more and more to try and hide how weird this looks. It's so good. 
that takes us to the database entry of the week, which is a database of 383. You're fucking blow my brains out. Cannot believe I even tried to read <laughs> Come these. On. Come Erde on. Kaiser Let me see what the final count is while you do this. Erde Kaiser Sigma. The greatest Erde Kaiser ever made and the most powerful robot in the universe. Created by the professor's arch rival, the Dark Professor. <laughs> Kermit, motherfucker. The name Sigma contains the Dark Professor's fiery passion that this is a machine that encompasses all that is Erde Kaiser. The ultimate Erde Kaiser. Sigma's most notable characteristic, the fact that it has a will. It can converse with its enemies and not only threaten or persuade them, but also show pride and insult them. <laughs> Dark Erde Kaiser was viewed as an imitation and was never able to shake its reputation as being a copy of Erde Kaiser Fury. But Sigma is completely original, the embodiment of its creator's will. The above description is that given by the creator himself, the Dark Professor. Damn, did a did an Erde Kaiser Sigma write this? Oh, it's about to get better. Read on. But unbeknownst to many is the fact that the Professor's Robot Academy, back when it was located on the Kukai Foundation amongst the rows of test machines, lay a unit called Element DX, which looked extremely similar to Erde Kaiser Sigma. (laughs) (laughs) Putting aside gossip, what truly deserves description is Sigma's capabilities. With all of its capabilities, three times Furies, its attack power is startling five times as high. It is a dramatic evolution in its functionality. Its robust body is decorated with a tricolor design on an orange base, and it appears more than worthy to ascend the Erde Kaiser throne. From that sturdy frame, it unleashes its ultimate attack, Supreme Emperor, with the power to rend space-time itself. So, we haven't talked about this over the series, but now that we're at the end of them... The Erde Kaiser robots are very much based on Gao Gaigar and the end of the Brave series of mech shows, but a lot of the details about their design come off extremely Getter Robo, especially, and I thought about including this whole thing, but I decided not to, Erde Kaiser Fury, which was supposed to have three distinct forms based around close-range weapon combat, long-range projectiles and speed, and drill combat, according to the database. So, straight up, Getter 1, 2, and 3. Also, Supreme Emperor could be a Gao Geiger thing, could also be the recurring Getter Emperor that is the bad end of those universes. Either way, mm. Erde Kaiser is the ultimate expression of dude's rock in the Xenosaga universe. <laughs> yeah, it's the wow cool robot turned up to 11. Also, But it's not because super robots are lame. Please take a guess. How many database entries do you think there are? 750. Uh, 800. 425. <laughs> Don't prices write me. <laughs> you both prices uh, rated yourself into a grave. You went a little high. Yeah. It doesn't matter. 425 is, is, is a lot. It is... It We're talking not, about things you read. 485 and 800 are the same thing. They're both way yeah. too many. Yeah. Oh, especially yeah, because yeah. some of them are updated multiple times over the yeah. course of the game. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that. Fuck you. Eat my asshole. I'm looking at the final one right now, 425 Milshin Conflict Report, and this thing is eight in-game pages long. Oh, my God. Like, I was over it. When I read Pendant and it was one sentence and then later it got updated to add another sentence, both of which combined <laughs> added no detail. Fuck you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. 
With that, do we have any closing thoughts on Mictum up through the cathedral? I'll just say, like, the dungeon itself is so slight that this basically feels like a boss rush, which, again, makes sense with all the development and everything. And it's too many ES boss battles in a row. It, It just exposes how flawed the ES battle system is at its core. But I love basically every single story thing that happens in this episode. So this is this is where everything is coming together and falling apart at the same time because next time we have two whole dungeons one of which is really a 0.5 dungeon but also let's just see here let me count four bosses next time with actual long periods between them and all having large cutscene dumps. And yet, despite this, we are still cutting the final boss and ending into its own video because that's how dense everything is now that we have finished off Voyager. Jeez. This is just get ready for a roller coaster, and next week might have to be split into two, but I don't know any that's better place. Let's find out. That's Matt's problem. Matt can figure it out. Matt I'm doesn't saying, have to split it because of file size anymore. I don't know how long we are going to go because I I don't know any better place we could split this, especially after today. Better hope mm. I have plans on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Unrelated, big fuck to that. Wait, don't go back and resolve the pedestal's depression. Just let it be depressed. <laughs> puzzle dungeon, so bad. Yeah. So bad. Yep. What I got at the end fucking rocked, but not worth. Also, you can't you can't just say if we're all trapped by four walls, we'll lose the treasure chest. The treasure chest isn't even on screen. Shut the fuck up, Xion. <laughs> it comes from the basement. Look, Xion is absolutely a moral absolutist libertarian. And when you are trapped by four walls, you are in mind prison and therefore you cannot be free to claim things for yourself. Learn, sheeple. Mm. That fucking Foucault intensifies. <laughs> this, this segment's great. Very excited. Also, not gonna lie, very excited for this to be over. I'm having a yeah. good time now, but also, it's a lot. We're gonna mm-hmm. have a lot to discuss. We're gonna have a lot of fun discussing it. I don't know how much fun the actual playing of these last two dungeons will be. Especially, I'm sorry for you, Ryan, because... Level disparities, it's going to power level you if you can survive the first few fights. Great. Okay. Can't wait. Yep. Yep. Maybe you should just leave now and pick up like three levels and then come back. Mm. Because right now you can still backtrack to the Elsa without it being too far. Right? Right. Yes. There's like two actual required fights in between you and the Elsa. I wish I could go back to the Elsa via the blue plate. I, I, I get the in-game reason why, but it's still like, yeah. just let me teleport back to it with the I blue plate. 100% agree. Well, here's the thing. You don't actually have to go to the Elsa since there is a blue plate next to the save point. Just go to Abel's Ark and well, grind a minute. There's not like an EVS plate, mm-hmm. right? No, I'm pretty sure that blue plate will mm-hmm. That's the shot plate. No, it's just a shot plate. Right. Fuck. I meant the teal plate. I always forget there's the teal plate. I My brain yeah. completely loses that. My bad. My bad. Well, I also said blue. I meant teal. Yeah, that's when you shoot a guy out of the air with the disc launcher. (laughs) 
do we have a let's do commercials let's do commercials matt's not here matt doesn't get a commercial fuck off well i'll do the commercials you can listen to matt no Ooh. more chris and yeah uh, <laughs> our third as of yet unintroduced <laughs> host on the new season of boku no stop which will be releasing and has already released by the time of this episode shortly on flip flappers going into a season on Lupin the Third, the woman called Fujiko Mine afterwards. They're very short. They're very experimental. They're very different. Boku no Stop going some places in 2022, and we're proud of it. You can And also none of those f- places probably don't have Nazis in them. Um, Actually, actually, Lupin, I, I lied, Lupin the Third. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't remember if there are overt Nazis in Fujiko Mine. But yes, Lupin has definitely taken on Nazis. You can also find me and all of my various works and projects at hellscaper.com. Thank you. You can listen to my music on SoundCloud at Catastrophizer. You can also listen to um, a band I'm in with my friend Nick on Bandcamp at canonandvarin.bandcamp.com if you would like. You can listen to Ryan Ice podcast, Icons and Icons, by visiting our Patreon at pitchdrop.cash and kicking in as little as a buck a month. It's this podcast, but about Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. And by the time this comes out, you'll be able to hear all about a gentleman named Tildebrand, who we love very much. Hell yes. That's all until next time, when we'll be talking about everything before the final boss. Stopping at the last save point, across from the chest with a longhorn accessory. If you just save, go hit the fi- find. Oh, this seems like the final boss will turn the game off. It'll be fine. Or beat it. Whatever. Don't worry about it. Uh, Don't beat it unless you got a lot of time. Look, not me. They could beat it. Look, if you listen to this episode of this podcast, you're already sucked in. I don't care if you beat it. You're going to listen to the next one anyway. Bye. I just meant 50 minute final cutscene. I know. Fuck off. Don't ruin my joke. I'm being nice. I'm the nice one. (laughs) And wait for tomorrow.